0: if you've got a mission statement that makes people excited but also uncomfortable then you know you're onto something so we're famously polarizing because we've celebrated that road cycling is the greatest sport in the world it's a massive statement to make uh there's lots of ways you can unpick it why is it road cycling why isn't it mountain biking what on earth are what's going on with doping why is there no televised coverage why can't I understand what's going on We've taken something which is very problematic, but we've remained incredibly determined to help to unpick it and to to help people to understand. So when people are saying, I've got a brand idea, it's based around values, I think there has to be that right balance of excitement and feeling incredibly uncomfortable.
1: Hello and welcome to the Community Podcast by CoMatter. CoMatter. A show that explores how people connect, share and create in today's hyperspeed world. My name is Severin Matusek. This is episode 13. And today's guest on the show is Sarah Clark. Sarah is the chief marketing officer of Rafa, the British cycling brand known and loved for its high-end cycling apparel. But Rafa does much more than shirts and shoes. It has its own cycling club with thousands of members, operates 22 clubhouses around the world, organizes weekly rides that anyone can join, produces movies, has a beautiful print magazine and a ton of other projects that help people discover their passion for cycling. I fully confess that I think the team at Rafa is doing a pretty damn good job at what they do. So I wanted to know from Sarah how it all came about. We talk about how Rafa got started, how her vision of the brand evolved, and her advice for people who want to start their own mission-driven brand. Here's the Community Podcast with Sarah Clark, CMO at Rafa. Welcome. Welcome to the Community Podcast, Sarah.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: I'm so glad that we get the chance to meet. Um, My first question to you would be, Tell me a little bit about Rafa and your story here. What is the brand? How did the brand grow? And what is your role in this whole development over the last few years?
0: Yes, yeah, certainly. So um, a lot of people who know the brand will know that Simon Mottram founded the brand um, gosh, 14 years ago. Uh, and at the time, Simon was a visionary for the sport of cycling and felt that it was really untapped um, and really unloved uh it's a british brand simons from the uk and he was very frustrated at how football seemed to grab all of our headlines and attention all of our tv coverage and yet he felt cycling was really based a a, a th- around a lot of intrinsic human values which he really admired so camaraderie, adventure almost meditation exploration, anything you wanted to experience as a value as a human you could find it in cycling Um, but he was frustrated that there weren't really any brands that were properly pushing the sport um, and also pushing people to want to get involved and participate so he created the brand uh, and at the time created it with an exhibition called The Kings of Pain uh, which again is is very very famous in, in in sort of uh, the minds of Rafa customers and that was the first time that he really kind of tried to showcase the soul of cycling and alongside that created a range of products to help people to enjoy and take part in the sport. That was obviously a long long time ago and at that time we were a small company with a small range of products and uh, the history of the sport being unpicked and explained to our customers. Obviously fast forward now to 2018 And we're a sort of multi-million pound company. We have over 20 clubhouses around the world. We have nearly 15,000 members of our Rafa cycling club Uh, and we're we're an evolved proposition so the things that remain true is that we love and celebrate the sport of cycling Uh, we fixate on trying to get more people to participate in the sport at any level and our clubhouses now exist in many top cities around the world in order to get people to come and come and join us and to take part Uh, my history of the brand I've been here for three and a half years um I previously was at Procter & Gamble for, oh gosh, 15 years before that, uh, working on uh, cosmetics, fragrances, luxury brands, and uh, moved across because I was a fan of the sport, a huge fan of the brand. I'd, I'd rem- remembered it from uh, when I was younger and saving up to get my husband the, the original softshell jacket, mm-hmm. so we'd always been cyclists, we'd always been big fans of the brand, and I moved across because I totally believed in the mission of what we were trying to do, of bringing people together through a sport in order to have brilliant experiences every day. Um, so three and a half years, I joined in Singapore and used to run Asia Pacific for sales and marketing. Uh, and that was a brilliant um, moment in my career because I got to basically watch Asia start to grow up with the sport. So obviously they have much less legacy and heritage than Europe Uh, so they're embracing the sport often for the first time Uh, so spent uh, around 18 months growing the Asia business and the Asia communities and then moved back to the UK in 2016 to take the chief marketing officer role Uh, so it's been it's been a a very speedy three and a half years it's gone incredibly quickly uh, we've got a huge amount that we're trying to do every single year and I'm very excited to be here so if I can explain some of the stuff that we're gonna try and do
1: yeah it's, it's a fantastic story I think and I wonder you know looking at Rafa today this infrastructure of clubhouses around the world you have the RCC club where, where people unite and go cycling together every week all around the world you have a magazine uh, you created this whole culture around cycling uh, that people identify with, was it clear from the beginning that this is the path that you want to go to? Because you could also have chosen to be a, an e-commerce shop, right, and, and be very lean and only exist digitally. Like.
0: Yes. So even from the beginning, uh, Simon had a very clear vision that this was around a community Uh, so we used to have obviously just web sales but we've always had people in region Mm -hmm. so even without a physical space there were agents of the brand who were basically there to build communities to ride and to take part in events Mm -hmm. Uh, and then still they'd have to purchase online Uh, so that happened very soon after the actual website was set up Uh, this this idea of having people there who could actually talk to the customer, understand the community, put together rides and events. And even today, whilst we have around 540 employees, over half of those are actually out in the region versus in the center. Uh, And again, the specific job is to help to bring communities to life. We have people in cities where we have no clubhouses. uh, So that's always been integral to to what we believe in as a brand. Mm
1: -hmm. Why do you think Rafa is more successful than other brands in that, in that regards?
0: Well, it could be seen as very cheesy uh, to other people, but I think everyone who joins genuinely believes in the mission. Uh, potentially in the earlier days, it used to attract much harder core cyclists who uh, used to maybe be more into training and racing over the last five six seven years actually everyone loves the sport but we have lots more beginners now who join us uh, all the way through to people who well actually last year we gave one of our uh, employees a chance to race with team wiggins so he's actually taking part in in sort of some of the world tour races so there's a huge spectrum of cyclists who now work for the company but i think the reason we've succeeded is because everyone genuinely wants the mission to succeed they believe in cycling as a means of transport a reason to stay fit and healthy a way to relieve stress and mental tension the people here see the value of the bike um, and that that becomes much more compelling as a mission for a company than to just sell more stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: How, do you, how do you write down these values internally? How do you make sure that people align to your values and you are all aligned to the same values, essentially?
0: So we have a series of global meetings in which we talk quite a lot about our vision and what we're trying to achieve for the sport. Uh, so it always starts with the sport. Um, and even last year in July, we had uh, our next five years laid out for the company uh, we talked a lot about what we're trying to achieve with our community with our content because often we've been known for our content I mean, you reference the magazine we've been known for films been known for uh, our social media so how, what are we trying to do what's the the five-year stretch for that to make it continue to be inspiring um, and then also even for the product. So products which allow a lifestyle of on-bike, off-bike, healthy living. Uh, we, you know, we spend a lot of time working with the people in the company to say how can we really stretch ourselves and do the best work of our lives in the next five years. Um, in terms of the values, we actually have a company handbook and we are very overt. and We write down what we're trying to get mm-hmm. at, out of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so suffer is a company value, which has often been very polarizing mm-hmm. in people's minds as to what that really means. Uh, inspire others, think for yourself, love the sport. We actually write down these values and we judge ourselves against them.
1: So when you're hiring people for your internal team and also for your internal culture, is it very important that people come in as cyclists or do you do they transform into cyclists when, once they come? here
0: so it's very important that they're open to experiencing cycling Uh, we have lots of people who come from different sports so we have lots of marathon runners we have triathletes um, we have uh, some ex-professional cricketers uh, and all we ask is that people are very open to experiencing the bike uh, because we do genuinely believe that incorporating cycling into your life makes your life richer as i said that could be through uh, mental health through physical well-being, through meeting other people and joining a friendship group. Whichever aspect you look at, it will bring something incremental to your life.
1: Another question I have is about uh, quality. Um, What I find fascinating about Rafa, and it's really one of the very few brands I know on, on on that level, is I feel like everything I see from you is top quality, your newsletters are great, you have amazing photography, your videos and your movies are very well done and on brand. I never see something where I feel like, oh, I think they've done a mistake here or this wasn't really completely clear. And and also on social media and and everywhere, you know, and I, I certainly believe that a brand is being made out of many different pieces that people, you know, because our world today is so multi-channel, right? I, I perceive something in a magazine, I perceive something on social media, and I always feel like Rafa is always so on point. How do, you, how do you manage that?
0: Well, we are very, I wouldn't say lucky actually, because you make your own luck, but we have been very diligent to create uh, an internal agency almost. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're able to be very prolific because everything is created either in-house mm-hmm. Or with a very tight roster of retained creatives. So we have in-house editors, copywriters, uh, a photo studio in this in this building where we are today in the office. We actually have our, our actual photo studio. Um, we are able to generate obviously our newsletters. Uh, with a 24-hour turnaround we wish to because we have the writers and the assets here we work with world-class creatives we've had some of those relationships are 10 years old so we tend to want to work with creatives who really understand us as a brand and what we're trying to achieve um, and whilst you know, we, we always try to stretch and innovate I think because we know who we are and what we're trying to do uh, it makes the creative direction mu- much easier to stay true to
1: Talking about cycling culture uh, what you mentioned there's a big rise in, in people seeing mobility different and, and new people discovering a sport of cycling through urban commuting maybe. Um, how much, how much does Rafa gain from this trend and how much do you see that Rafa is actually part of the trend and maybe initiated the trend of cycling and, and the growth of cycling all around the world?
0: So I think obviously in the UK, we've, in particular, because we're a British brand, we've had a huge influence in some of that boom uh, by making better products for it to be easier for people to take part, through putting on rides and events to challenge, make people challenge themselves. And then obviously through things like the clubhouses, where people can use that as part of their daily life, for, for travelling in and out of work or travelling in and out to meet to friends to join other rides. So in the UK, I think we've really helped to push that acceleration. Now, that acceleration has got lots of factors behind it as well. There's no point hiding that London had a boom in cycling, unfortunately, following a series of terror attacks when people were not keen to use public transport and didn't want to get involved in the congestion of cars, but wanted a way to get in. Uh, now, finally, in the last year we've just got to the point where more people are coming into london by bike than by car which is a brilliant statement for the city um, we'd like to think that we've obviously helped facilitate that as much as possible um, and then in certainly as i said my previous job in asia for sure that's an excited community who are just embracing the sport they don't often have the road infrastructure that we do have in europe um, so there's a learning curve some of those markets are just developing in terms of a cycling culture but we hope that we're genuinely helping to push that by having organized group rides clubhouses where people can meet products that people want to wear making them feel visible dry safe Um, so hopefully we are being exponents of pushing that forward
1: do you sometimes get the criticism that people say well a cycling club is great and a clubhouse is great and i love meeting like-minded people but i dislike that it's connected to a commercial brand how do you deal with that? And do you get that at all?
0: Uh, we don't. Uh, no, if, if people are going to criticize us, they often criticize us for price. Mm-hmm. So that's often uh, social media. People will often uh, mock in terms of how expensive our products are but as you yourself said hopefully you realise that everything we do has an element of quality Uh, we want to stay very balanced in where we source materials from around the world Uh, we create our designs in house and make everything through to final prototype in house so we put a lot of soul, passion and energy into creating the best products that we can for people to enjoy Uh, and we hope that we give a lot of quality a lot of customer service behind that but often big criticisms will come from is that still too much? Is that yeah. still too expensive? With the clubhouses, we definitely don't get any of that kind of criticism because fundamentally, you don't have to pay to come to a clubhouse. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's hopefully a cool, inviting space mm-hmm. where you can hang out, watch racing, listen to some tunes that we're playing, mm-hmm. watch our latest video, interact with the, the staff. So we're trying to make those community hubs um, and certainly you know even for the, the Rafa Cycling Club once they've joined even their coffee's free they want to mm. come in every day and sort of enjoy mm. the, the clubhouse space so we feel that we're being uh, incredibly fair mm. in terms of what we're trying to create mm. and, and what the kind of commercial return is for that
1: and uh, talking about you know global versus local how do you deal with local cultures like you mentioned Asia and you being a global brand headquartered in London how much freedom do you give to your local Local chapters in terms of understanding the local cultures, the local specialties and reacting to that.
0: So many people love the fact that we're a British brand, many people have no idea that we're a British brand, we don't try to push that at all even the name Rafa is kind of an Italian word, I think lots of people just think it's European, but we try not to be overly British in how we're perceived because fundamentally the the sport should be global, Mm. so it's it's a global um, sport and a global environment. The local teams, for sure, all the clubhouses have very... local touches to them so whether that's actual materials that we've sourced locally to try to capture that community whether it be the content that we're showing uh, whether it be the visuals that are on the wall because fundamentally there's brilliant cycling across Mm -hmm. the world we don't have to put the alps in every clubhouse there's a brilliant Wuling climb in taiwan there's a brilliant niseko climb in japan so trying to bring to life and inspire people that they can cycle in their country and have an amazing experience is really important to us Um, and then of course the clubhouses have cafes and they vary um, quite a lot across the estate to try to bring to life local ingredients and how cyclists in that country prefer to fuel before and after a ride.
1: Do you leverage this local knowledge that you get through the clubhouses and through the through the, the local communities in some systematic way? Do you have surveys? Do you ask people questions? How do you make sure that you get the knowledge that's happening in all the local chapters into your global headquarters and, and that it helps you make decisions for the next five years?
0: Yeah. Well, we spend a lot of time talking to our customers directly. so. we're we're lucky in that we have um, a big database now and when we send out our annual survey we actually get a lot of participation so I can be quite indulgent and sometimes that's a kind of 10 to 15 minute questionnaire and yet The majority of our customers will want to fill it in because they'll want to tell us how we're doing, what needs to be better, how we can be better locally relevant for them. So we have a a very open dialogue with our customers, which is fantastic. Uh, We probably have about 300,000 contacts to customer service um, every year. And for sure, that isn't at all about complaining. Often that's about people with questions or ideas or wanting to understand something better because fundamentally, we're, we're trying to get more people into the sport, but sometimes. the clothing can be complex in terms of how it fits together Mm. the rides can be intimidating the holidays have a lot of questions behind them so we have a lot of open dialogue which helps us to keep finessing our offer Um, but fundamentally the reason that people are in the regions uh, and why we have so many people in the regions is to be out there riding talking socializing uh, training, racing with our different members and customers, customers so that they can feedback what we need to do differently, anything that we need to tweak.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you ever question the value of these infrastructures? Uh, you know, I think often. You see brands that try to build up similar infrastructures and then have local chapters and ambassadors and and while economy is good, you know, and then suddenly something happens and suddenly things are not that good. You have to like see how how will the next year look like and and you start to question, do we actually need a local clubhouse? Do we need a cycling club? Do we need a travel agency for our community? Have you ever been in this position?
0: No, we're totally committed. So we uh, at the moment have... 21 clubhouses, uh, a couple of archive stores, and we're trying to get to 50 clubhouses. Um, I wouldn't say as quickly as we can because we want to make it very considered in terms of the right spaces and the right cities um, in order. Um, but we want to get to 50 almost as soon as we can. Uh, and we have made a very deliberate Um, decision to come out of wholesale so we stopped being in wholesale two years ago which is a bold move because that means that everything is direct through our website or through our clubhouses Um, but that for us was incredibly important because we wanted to be the ones to help deliver the, the whole holistic experience to the customer so it isn't about a relationship of buying another jersey. It's about a relationship of the customer on a, on, a, on a journey with cycling and how can we help them, be it through helping them to ride better or dress better or fuel better or be inspired by content. We wanted to own that entire journey. So we're totally committed to having the, the clubhouses to help us deliver that.
1: For you as a chief marketing officer, what are the challenges you deal with right now? What are the questions you ask yourself when you go to bed at night?
0: So I think one of the biggest questions is uh, how we take away some of the intimidation factor of the brand mm. so without losing everything that's special. Mm. So it's a classic problem, I guess, that a lot of small brands which have, ex- which have experienced high-intensity growth uh, often at some point come to that point of... How do I broaden the invite and allow more people to take part in this sport? Because fundamentally, we want to make it the best sport in the world whilst not frustrating or alienating my existing. Mm customer and membership base who love everything that I stand for today Um, but we think we can get there because fundamentally it's always been about the sport and it should always be about the sport which in itself is continuing to evolve so we're you know we we in the sport are seeing an evolution from a lot of hardcore training and racing through to uh, a slightly more adventurous off-road way of taking part which is driven a lot by safety concerns for new people coming in um, but just also that kind of exploration and freedom of just being off-road so it's interesting it's interesting for me to just constantly judge are we doing enough to bring new people in and make them feel brilliant about taking part in cycling whilst bringing them in for the right reasons, by making them understand that we think this is very important, the sport's very valuable, the sport is very true to lots of human values and emotions. How can I tell them that without intimidating them?
1: How data-driven are you in this approach? How much data do you collect from your customers, both when they go into a shop and online? How much do you try to understand the journey really from a data data view?
0: We're, I would say that we're definitely um, a, a teenager trying to go into... <laughs> trying to go into their early 20s in terms of our sophistication with data. Mm -hmm. Um, We're lucky in that we're a very passion-oriented brand. We have, as I said, a lot of people on the ground talking to customers. We have a lot of customers who will take part In our surveys, or answer random questions that we'll send to them. So, I feel that we can use a lot of insights for what we're doing, Mm -hmm. but we're not at that stage. And frankly, potentially, we never want to be at that stage where we're trying to track people around our world. Mm -hmm. Um, It's only important to me that you come to the website and you have a brilliant experience and you can look at great content and you can look at great products or you go into the clubhouse and you have a brilliant experience because you've gone on a fantastic ride or you've hung out with other members from the club. So I'm much more fixated around, uh, am I presenting a brilliant experience for the total community um, and the, the kind of customers and members who live in it, then chasing people around, how and where they interact with us. Um, but again, I think that's very symptomatic of the size we're at and how we're evolving.
1: For you um, and your vision for the company, What are your idols, both in terms of people, in terms of companies or brands that you look up to and get inspired by?
0: Well, a very obvious one, of course, is Apple. We have um, a very open dialogue with Apple um, every few weeks because we, uh, you know, fundamentally, uh, Apple are very interested in health and well-being. Uh, Obviously, we're in the center of health and well-being. Uh, From a brand point of view, it's fascinating to me how they obviously have an online experience and a club. Well, they have a, a digital, a, a, a store experience where they're now trying to commu- make a community experience. So we have some common areas of you know, beautiful content, uh, an ambition to build a community um, and quality products we have lots of overlaps which makes it very interesting for us to have conversations i think versus apple uh they probably think that they could learn something from us from community for sure we could learn something in terms of in-store and online environment um so they've always been a great a great one for us to hold up um and then bizarrely i'm also very interested even in in brands like disney uh because i feel that disney is Uh, uh, understands their audience incredibly well uh, and they obviously have lots of kind of sub-brands within it Mm. where they sort of tailor the content Mm. to to the audience they're trying to hit but i think disney's interesting because they too are realizing that they need to evolve and stretch Mm. in order to stay relevant Mm. to to today Um, and seeing some of the initiatives that they've been putting in in terms of active park runs or changing their approach to nutrition uh within the parks or within the supermarkets i think is interesting because it's taking something which is you'd think is globally untouchable and actually being present of mind enough to think that they need to evolve to stay relevant
1: is there anything you would do differently that since you started at rafa
0: oh that's a good question is there anything i would do differently I think we. I mean, we always punish ourselves a lot. The thing that we punish suffering ourselves
1: suffering is our key value, right? <laughs>
0: so, so yeah, we do like suffering. Um, I, to be honest, we've still got. I think we've still got some work to do with our clubhouses because we want them to be a brilliant community hub, um, and yet they still can have a slight intimidation factor. So if I could have done something differently in the last two years as CMO, uh, I'd like to work more quickly to actually make those a true space where anyone feels that they can enter. Mm -hmm. And it don't even have to be a cyclist. They may just want to come because it's a cool space. Um, Certainly if someone's even thinking of getting into cycling, I want them to feel that they can come in Mm -hmm. and not think this is for someone much further down their cycling journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like we've done a lot of beautiful pieces of content um and i think one of my challenges or things that i need to 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 think about doing differently is you know how do we get that to a broader audience because again we feel that cycling is underpinned by human values which have a much broader relevance Mm -hmm. uh so Versus people seeing things and thinking it's just about cycling. Uh, What I'd really like to do in the next few years is take those values to a broader audience as a way to live.
1: What's your advice? If somebody comes to you and says, I want to start a brand, I want to start a brand around a community, I want to start a brand around health, I have certain values, I have a vision, how should I get started? What what would you tell people?
0: I think people have got, if you've got a mission statement that makes people excited, but also uncomfortable, then you know you're onto something. So we're famously polarizing because we've celebrated that road cycling is mm. the greatest sport in the world. Mm. It's a massive statement to make. Mm. Uh, there's lots of ways you can unpick it. Why is it road cycling? Why isn't it mountain biking? What on earth, what's going on with doping? Mm. Why is there no televised coverage? Why can't I understand what's going on? We've taken something which is very problematic, but we've remained incredibly determined to help to unpick it and to to help people to understand. So when people are saying, oh, I've got a brand idea, it's based around values, I think there has to be that right balance of excitement and feeling incredibly uncomfortable that there's things to unpick and there's things to solve because that's what makes brand building interesting, uh, coming up with different solutions to, to the brand problem. If, if, if there are no problems to solve, the idea is probably too simplistic and won't resonate
1: great I think that's uh, I I find it very interesting I never heard that before (laughs) (laughs) I love the the, the controversial part and I I think I think a lot of brands are probably afraid to be controversial right and I I can see from what you from your future plans that you don't want to remain on road cycling right so you but it's 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 another controversy that you're starting but that you're facing and that you don't see apparently as a problem but as a journey where you as a brand go and you take your people and your community with you
0: yeah And cycling in itself is a journey in every sense of the word, Um, and I think that's what's fun to see. It's and around the globe, the communities are evolving at very different paces, Mm -hmm. Um, so that's also interesting in terms of how we balance the message we give, the rides we're creating, the products for those rides. But that just makes it all part of a very rich tapestry. Um, and hopefully means that we we can serve an ever-growing and ever-varying community of cyclists.
1: So if one of our listeners feels passionate about joining Rafa, where can they find you? What should they do?
0: Well you could go to our website which is rafa.cc uh, and on that you can find a clubhouse in order to come and see us physically mm-hmm. and you're, anyone is welcome at any time. Uh, you can talk to us on live chat, you can pick up a phone, you can come to us on social, so you can follow our Instagram, Facebook or Twitter account. Uh, we have global accounts, we have country accounts, um, but we always promise to listen to you and to give you a reply. So people should feel free to reach out to us anytime.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Sarah.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey.
1: Thank you for listening. And thank you, Sarah, for being a guest on the show. If you like this episode of the Community Podcast, please share it, tell your friends about it, subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. My name is Severin and you can find me at comatter.com, a platform that explores what makes communities thrive.